welcome to the REI Mastermind Network, where host Jack Haas gathers amazing stories from leaders in real estate investing. In each episode, our guests will tell you what they're doing that works, what they've tried that failed, and best of all, you'll learn actionable steps to take your real estate investing to the next level. Now, here's Jack with another value-packed episode. We have Rod Stanback with us, and he's with FlipFunding.com and HardMoneyUniversity.com. So depending on what you'd like to learn there, his team has you covered. So if you're uh, interested and need a little help with, with hard money lending for your project, again, it's FlipFunding.com. If you want to learn about hard money lending yourself, check out HardMoneyUniversity.com. Really appreciate it, Rod. This could be interesting here today. Likewise, Eddie. I appreciate you know the opportunity. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you bet. So we're gonna gonna do kind of a hard money lending one oh one, if you will. We kind of chatted just briefly before the show, and I'd like to prepare our listeners. So, first of all, how long have you been doing this now? So I've been in the hard money industry since 2013. I've been in the real estate industry since 2008, 2009, market crash. Sure. So any similarities of what you're seeing in the market now? You know, I I got in at the height of the crash. You know, honestly, I, I wasn't in tune with the market prior to the Great Recession. So when I got involved with real estate, honestly, it wasn't strategic at all. I was trying to get in prior to that crash, but I didn't have enough money. But because of the property values decreasing drastically, that then created an opportunity for me to get involved. So I, so I honestly can't, you know, I'm not qualified enough to give a comparison to the lead up to, to the build up until the great recession, but I'm preparing, you know, for the opportunity that are going to come. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. All signs point that something's about to happen, right? Or even yeah. more so. Yeah. yeah. Great for the past few years, you know, so it's unrealistic to think that it's going to, you know, continue until, you know, forever. That's that's not going to happen. So so I, I, you know, and and a chunk of my audience is going to understand what hard money lending is, but like I said, we have a lot of newer to real estate investor listeners, and this might be the first time they've heard of hard money lending. So let's let's start things off a little bit by just kind of explaining a bit what it is and how they what they should, would expect if they were engaging with some a company like yours. Sure, great question. So. Hard money, in my definition, is an alternative to traditional lending, whereas though you would go to a, a bank or a residential mortgage lender for owner-occupied properties. Hard money, we focus on business purposes, non-owner-occupied per, uh, properties only. So if it's for any investment purpose, then you know you can give us a call. But if, if you plan to live on it in the property, then you know we're not licensed for that. Um, the, one of the major differences is that you know we don't request well. We don't, you know, some hard money lenders do, majority don't, but we don't request any tax returns, W-2s, personal income documents, and things of that nature, because we understand that this is for investment purposes, and you don't necessarily have to have the capital yourself. You may have a partner, you know, you may have found a deal, and you have a partner that's going to be coming in, you know, with the equity, you know, to invest in that transaction, so... Um, it's not all about you. We focus more on the deal and what our concern is that you'll make a profit and you're in a position to make the monthly payments. Sure. So when somebody approaches you looking for for this type of loan, uh, what are you looking for in their background as to that they even know what they're what they've gotten themselves into? 
So we don't require experience. You know, majority of hard money lenders do. You know, I don't because, again, I'm a real estate investor. And when I was when I first got involved, financing would have helped me scale my business much faster. But I had a couple of things going against me. For one, the Great Recession. So nobody was really lending anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, secondly, I didn't have any experience. So, you know, no one was willing to take a shot and take the quote unquote risk with me because I haven't proven myself. But, you know, we do because I understand that somebody has to give you a shot. You know, if, if you're going to get if you're going to get experience, you have to start somewhere. So Flip Funding will, you know, work with you there. But prior to that, you know, we if someone is experienced, we verify the experience based on a track record. And the track record sheet will just list the prior projects that you've completed and they can be verified by public record. But normally, if we have an operating agreement that shows that you're a member of the entity, the borrowing entity for that transaction, then you know that's how we'll credit you for that experience. Oh, sure. And then what are you looking at regarding the property and opportunity? So we, our goal, again, is to make sure that, you know, there's a profit if it's going to be a fix and flip. You know, it, on a buy and hold project, obviously, you know, the profit would, margin wouldn't be as high as a fix and flip or, or so, you know. But in that situation, we want to make sure that the, the after repair value, if it's a, a rehab project, we want to make sure that the after repair value would be at least 100000 because we understand that. For long-term loans, most lenders have a minimum loan amount of seventy-five thousand, and some will be, you know, lend up to seventy-five to eighty thousand. So we want to make sure that the project will meet that threshold, and you'll be in a position to refinance, you know, if that's your goal. Sure. So you're looking for the property. Not only is it making a profit, but in the end, there's essentially enough equity there as act as a down payment or whatever you you will to for that for that new loan amount. With that, with that local bank. Sure. I, I, that makes a lot of sense. So are you funding like the entire deal, including the rehab? What, what type of skin in the game does the, does the buyer or the, or the in, investor have to come with? So it had, the, the investor needs to come with at least 10 to 20% of the purchase price. And that amount depend, uh, depends on the borrower's experience. So in order to come with about 10% down or 90% of the purchase price, I mean, for us to provide 90% of the purchase price, we would require a borrower to typically have about four projects completed in the past 36 months. So that's a good thing to point out. So your experience, guys, it doesn't matter how many projects you've done 10 years ago, 20 years ago, even five years ago. You know, unfortunately, you know, our experience is ranked on what have you done based, what have you done lately basis. So it's, it's everything that you've done within the past three years. Okay. So if, if somebody was uh, looking at a hard money lender, you with all of your experience, what are some of the questions they probably should be asking to make sure it's a good fit? You should be asking for, for one, you want to ask for some testimonials or, you know, referral. I mean, not referral, but you want to attach for some review, check for some reviews or testimonials. You want to know exactly who you're working with and hear from people that have actually been through the process because the worst thing that you want to do is, you know, get excited go through a process and then learn, learn how horrible someone is, you know? So your time is money. And if the, if the process isn't efficient, then you risk the chance of losing your down payment, you know, because especially in markets like now where the properties are moving, it's highly competitive. Sellers are, you know, they aren't patient, you know, because they know that they have numerous uh, bids for their property. So if you're not able to execute within a certain amount of time, 
that borrower is, I mean, that seller is going to kill the deal, you know, especially if it doesn't close within the, the contract deadline. They're just going to move on to a more, a more of a borrower that's, that they sure can execute. So, you know, you want to make sure that, for one, your borrower, I mean, your lender can execute. For two, they have, I mean, for one, they have a great reputation and can execute. But on top of that, that's the main thing. You know, I, I honestly, honestly say that I strongly believe from my experience, the main concern is that someone has the ability to execute and, you know, get that closing date, get the close by the time that they just uh, complete. The, I'm sorry, the, uh, the closing date, you know. Sure. Yeah. Because you know, it doesn't matter the rate or fees. You know, initially it does, but if someone's unable to perform, that stuff goes out of the window. Or if you have a bad experience, you know, that takes priority over the terms and fees. You know, no, everybody wants a, a clean loan experience. Right. So you, you mentioned timeline. What is your typical timeline and what is that part of the process? Do you, for example, do you send out uh, an inspector of any kind? You, like what, what, what's the timeline there and how much, how, what's the, what should somebody expect? So for short-term loans for like a bridge, fix and flip or new construction loan, you can expect the timeline to be around two to three weeks. And that's mainly contingent upon the appraisal. That's the part that takes the longest, you know, nine times sure. title comes back within a week and that's usually clear insurance is no issue, but the appraisal right now, again, because we're in a competitive market, they're busier and they're taking a bit longer. So, you know, where we used to could do within seven to to fourteen days now is two to three weeks for a short term. Long term would be anywhere between three to four weeks. Okay. And then when somebody comes to you with this opportunity, are you are you running your own comps? Do you expect them to come with comps? No, that's a great question because I meant to include that in the last one. Uh, so yeah, we we have them uh, initially. All of them should have a real estate agent. The real estate agent should provide them comps because. Every investor should do their due diligence prior to getting a loan because mm-hmm. you need to make sure that the, the deal is feasible for you and, and, of course, profitable. But, you know, we can't just go off of a borrower's word. So we do hire a third-party appraiser to go out, and they, of course, uh, perform that report. And they, they grab the, the three, you know, uh, highest, not the most highest, but the three best comps within, you know, like a mile at the maximum, but we, you know, if it's a busy market within a quarter of a mile. Sure. Yeah. Kind of throw out the highest one and the lowest one and find that sweet spot. No, that, that, that also makes a lot of sense. So do you typically, you know, if they're a fix and flipper, do you typically look for some sort of plan or some breakdown of what they plan on doing? Absolutely. That's another crucial item. So people don't understand the importance of, you know, the construction budget or the scope of work. And that can be detrimental to the value that you receive in your appraisal. And the reason is because every rehab is not, you know, alike, you know, every rehab is not the same, you know? So for instance, if you're doing a rehab and you just say a hundred thousand, we don't know the quality of the materials that you're going to choose. We don't know if you're adding an additional bathroom and these things can be crucial to, you know, the, the value of the property. So it's important to, be detailed with your, your your plans so that a borrower, I mean, so that an appraiser, when they're looking at your budget, they can know how to, you know, implement that towards the value. For instance, you know, if you're doing a rental property and you may not want to, I mean, you might want, you want something that's durable in there, you know, so, you know, you're going to, you might want to put hardwood or, you know, something like that that's going to last. Whereas though, if you're selling a property 
and you know you're not looking for top dollar you just want to get in and out you might put laminate flooring you know which wouldn't give you that same value as a hard as you know hardwood would you know so it's crucial to actually you know be detailed and list the materials that you'll get and you know uh, be detailed as to where your plans for the project like as far as the draws and the way that you'll go about uh executing because it, may, it helps when you go to request a rehab draw on the back end you know the more the more information the more it helps us on the back end when you're trying to get your rehab draws mm-hmm. so can you kind of give us a, an example of like somebody who uh, it didn't go well like the the, the plan didn't go well and and what what you tried to do to help, but it just give us a, a situation where it was just ended up not being a good fit and what lessons you learned from it. Are you referring to just a, a fix and flip or what? what part? Yeah. Like a fix and flip, you know, somebody who came to you looking for hard money and, and you, it was just obvious that uh, he didn't have the right information together and maybe he didn't even know what he was really doing or getting into at first. And you kind of had to break the bad news. Well, one, one, one situation, you know, in particular is we had a guy and uh, it was his first time investing. Now, you know, I, you know, because it's a first time investor, you know, even though it's a first time investor, we do expect for uh, newbies to do due diligence prior to applying for a loan. You know, you always have to do research. Mm-hmm. But this guy in particular, he said he had took a course or whatever. So, you know, I thought that he would be knowledgeable. So. He came and applied. Gives the situation. He gave us a scenario. We provided a term sheet, and the term sheet outlines, you know, I mean, outlines all of our loan terms and the cost. You know, like the reserves that they'll need, the cash to close, and everything. Now, what we didn't include was the title, insurance, and, and uh, taxes, and et cetera. You know, things that come in at settlement, but we weren't able to include that because those are all third-party fees. And the borrower usually selects those those parties, you know. So there's no way that we could, you know, provide a quote for those fees. So got to the loan, appraisal came back good. Got to the closing table, and that's when the HUD displayed all the fees from title, taxes, and, and insurance, and everything. And he's like, well, "Wait a minute, they're like, this is wrong. You know, you told me that I would only have to bring such and such, but we clearly have a disclaimer on the term sheet that says, you know, it, it, this does not include title, taxes." insurance and other third-party fees and he completely overlooked that and you know he got mad at me as if i was trying to do a bait and switch but this is general knowledge that any investor should know you know prior to applying for a loan so that experience made me realize that don't you know just assume people know you know so after Mm -hmm. we we you know we kind of set the from that experience we now set the proper expectations whether you're a first-timer or your experience, because, you know, we understand that we just want to make sure that you're informed, making an informed decision before moving forward. Well, and then on the, on the flip side, can you give us an example of somebody who was like brand new to this and it went super well and, and what type of profit did they experience? Let me see. I mean, so it's difficult for me to, I mean, I've, I've been doing it for a while, but I'm not hands on with the loans in a while. So I mean, oh, sure. Yeah. So, I can think of one situation. Yeah, so I'm from Philly, and I was throwing free real estate classes the first or second Thursday of each month. And, you know, I'm doing it to build relationships and generate leads and everything, just giving, you know, good content. Mm -hmm. So it was a first-time investor, but she, you know, never did a project, but she came to my classes. So she was fairly knowledgeable, you know, and and had the proper expectations. So um, she came. 
and she understands the importance. You know, what the, the biggest hiccup I see first-timers really go wrong at is they don't understand the importance of having a solid contractor before you actually get a property under contract. They don't understand how crucial that contractor is to the success of your project because if you're not knowledgeable about, you know, the rehab process, and you're not around, you know, contractors can, they get slick a lot of times, you know, they, they, mm-hmm. they cut corners to try to save money and increase their profits or they're jumping around from project to project and they may, that may delay your project, which will, you know, cause you to have your loan mature. Then you have to come out of pocket for an extension fee and stuff like that. So, you know, you always want to have that secure, you know, because that's the most vital part of the process, you know, because you're vulnerable and you're dependent on them to execute. So she understood the importance of that. So before she actually applied for a loan, she went and got, got she interviewed a handful of contractors, got recommendations from people that were in the industry. And, you know, she solidified one. And so when she got the, the deal on the contract, it was just a seamless process, you know, because it doesn't matter, you know, even if you're knowledgeable about fixing up a property and if you don't have the time to monitor people you know you just don't know so just by ensuring that you have someone solid in your corner that you know that gives you peace of mind throughout the process and increases your chances of success during any real estate transaction so you 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 mentioned your uh, loan terms can you get share with us like average loans terms and does that also change depending on somebody's experience. Yeah, so it's, it changes based on experience and the the current environment, you know, uh, of the industry. So right now, terms are they will they will be they will appear to be bad on surface, and it's just it's just an adjustment to the market. So you know, um, our interest rates have increased over the past few months, you know, as a result of the federal you know, reserve mm-hmm. rates. So traditional loans are at 6% plus, you know, a lot of times. So naturally, you know, hard money terms are going to increase. Um, now, although you still can get a hard, a long-term loan, you know, for short-term or long-term rental in the 6% range, you know, through hard money, it'll be in the upper uh, 6% range, but you still can accommodate that depending on credit score. Now, the highest you'll see for a rental loan right now, which is pretty bad, is in the 9% range. And I say that's bad because... We were just at, you know, 3%, you know, 3% a few months ago. And we're used to giving fix and flip loans in the 8 9% range, you know, but naturally it's a trickle-down effect. So if the interest, if the rental loans are that high, our fix and flip loans, are, you know, our short-term loans are taking a hit naturally. So we're seeing about 10 to 12%, whereas though we were anywhere from 8 to 10%, you know, a couple of months back. So... Uh, rates are increased in this current environment. You know, leverage is being slightly decreased, you, you know, again, as a way to hedge, you know, uh, potential risk or, you know, uh, that's coming just because the future is so uncertain, you know. So, I mean, it's not the best right now. You know, we are still going up to 85% of the purchase price, 100% of the rehab or construction costs for fix and flip and new construction loans uh, for bridge loans. With no rehab component, we are still going up to 75 to 80% of purchase. We'll do up to 75% on a refinance or a cash out. And, you know, the typical turnaround, like I said, has been two to three weeks for short term and three to four weeks for a long term loan. Sure. So, you know, how much involvement do you do you have in this in this whole process? You know, let's say a flip a fix and flipper, it's obviously it might be their first time. 
Or do you see this as a partnership and do you provide them some feedback regarding their calculations and material costs and all of that? Or, or how, how does how does that relationship look? Absolutely. So, you know, I have a team, but we, we are, you know, um, really involved in, in the process. You know, we we're involved in, we just make sure that we lend our expertise because my entire team is experienced real estate investors. So we know we can, we can give advice, you know, and we do look at ourselves as, as partners because we're in this together. We have an alignment of interest, you know, the more successful you are, the more successful, you know, we will potentially be because you'll come back and get loans and we'll grow together. So you know, one thing that, you know, people don't realize is that our money lenders, you know, we're, a sense of security for any investor because we won't lend on any deal that isn't profitable, you know, so you can have some assurance knowing that if you aren't confident in your numbers, you know, when you send it to us, we're going to run those numbers, make sure that it's profitable. So, you know, you can have some type of, you know, um, peace of mind in that aspect. No, that's, that's an interesting concept. I haven't thought of it that way before, but that's a pretty valid point. Yeah. Because, yeah, because if you fail, we fail. You know, we're not in business to foreclose, take properties back. That's expensive, and it's not the highest and best use of our time. So we want to avoid that at all, at all costs. So with that being said, is there any kind of time limit associated with your, your lending? Do they have to wrap this project up in a certain amount of months, or how does that look? A great question. So uh, our short-term loans are anywhere from 12 to 24 months. However, there's no prepayment penalty. So if you were to get a fix and flip loan today and pay it off next month, you can do so, you know, without any fees or penalties because we encourage a quick flip, you know, and um, again, because, you know, the faster the flip, the more you'll come back and, you know, get more property. So. Sure. Okay. And then you, you mentioned that you see this as a partnership. Is that, is there a standing meeting or a check-in on a regular basis to just to validate how it's going? Yeah, we have like a follow-up process. You know, we check in. We have a check-in. Even after the loan closes, we check in a few times throughout the project to see if we could lend any resources, you know, or give any advice to help them along the way. Sure. Okay. Yeah. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. So, well, I, again, I just want to remind everybody, head over to flipfunding.com if you're interested in the hard money lending. There's quite a bit of information there. And uh, is there any kind of pre-qualification process that – like before they even call you guys, what what stack of paper should they have available? Like just handy. Just handy. I would say, really. So before you call me, yeah, before you call me, you know, visit the website and get a general idea of our requirements, so you can you know know pretty much you know what to be, what to be prepared for. But so we operate different. I'm glad you touched on that, JD. So what I'd like to stress to real estate investors is, don't wait until you have a property under contract to give me a call. You want to work smart and contact me before you even make an offer. As soon as you identify a property that you'd be potentially interested in move forward with, contact me, you know, give us the scenario, allow us to run the numbers so you can know exactly what the terms that you'll be you'll qualify for. That'll allow you to crunch your numbers even better so that you know you'll you'll be able to really determine if the deal is something that you want to move forward with. You have more peace of mind knowing that you're already pre-qualified and your real estate agent will take you more serious by having that pre-approval in hand. You know, so do that. So I always recommend that, you know, prior to move forward on any project. Oh, that you know, it's one of those uh real estate investing myths that I I've been on a uh, mission to to squash is the f- concept of 
get the property under contract, you know, and, and the money will find you. Have you ever heard that type of thing? It, I'm just so sick of hearing that. And, and this, that's a perfect example of what you're talking about. Get, get your, get the stuff lined up in advance. Otherwise scrambling for money is never fun. No, no. I see it all the time. You know, the people come to me, I might be the third lender down the chain, you know, because they tried at the last minute, you know, after they had to deal to get it, uh, funded and two people then turn them down for whatever reason that they come with me begging and pleading to close within a day or two, you know, so always get pre-approved in advance guys. And there's, there's a lot of value and gravitas associated with, if you have that pre-approval letter in your hand, showing that proof of funds, that goes a long way. Absolutely. Especially in this market today, you know, people won't give you a time of day if they don't see that you're, it, it lets them know that you're actually serious about moving forward and they won't waste their time as well. Right. Right. Well, uh, Rod, this was a great conversation. I, I do have a few rapid fire questions. If you're ready to tackle, tackle that over the next few minutes. Absolutely. Let's go. So, so I mentioned that my one real estate myth that I continue to like to bust is find the deal and the money will follow. But do you have any real estate investing myths that you've been that you've heard that you'd like to bust? Oh man, let's see. Wow, that's a good one, JD. If you don't have something off the top of your mind, it's it's something that's come to my. It's been something that's been on my mind more and more lately because we keep getting these real estate investing gurus, and when I was younger. We'd even get those late night TV shows or infomers that were promising get into real estate, no money down, you know, that, all that, all that stuff. It's yeah, that's the one. I, I'm, 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 I'm mad you said it because I wanted to use that one, but I mean that's a, that's a strong one, and I'm glad you touched on that because that's not true, guys. I mean, you have to have money from somewhere, even if it's 100% funding. You know, the underwriter will still want to see reserves. You still have to initiate you know the the rehab project so you still need some type of funds it doesn't necessarily have to be your funds you can raise the funds but you always need money in any transaction and even bigger than that you know there's always any any experienced real estate investor will tell you that surprises happen majority of the time so you want to be prepared for that and have excess reserves it just in case Mm -hmm. no great one so uh I'm, you're not allowed to say rich dad, poor dad, because as far as I'm concerned, that's that's everybody's default answer to this. But is there a book that you would recommend everybody check out? Yes. So I, I, I like the richest man in Babylon, you know, because he was, you know, he was a hard yeah. there and stuff. So that that you know um, was a good one for me. Uh, was it uh, the No BS Guide to Selling to the Affluent? You know, by uh, Dan Kennedy. That was a good one for me as well. No, I can't think of the name. Jesus Christ. The sell. Uh, I can't think of his name. It's a sales book. Um, oh, the art of selling anything. The art, art selling. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. Okay. No, those are great recommendations. So everybody, make sure you put those on your uh, reading list. So, what is one piece of the? What's the best piece of? Now I got. We're gonna have to edit this out. I, for some reason, I'm stumbling here to, this afternoon. What's the best business advice you've ever received? Best business advice that I've ever received was something simple, but it made a drastic change in my life was mindset. You know, I, I didn't understand the importance of mindset. You know, it was just mm-hmm. over my head. But now, you know, being an entrepreneur and having to endure, you know, challenges almost daily, you know, I understand how crucial having the right mindset is. That prepares you for 
everything that it prepares you for you know um for success for sure and it prepares you for um challenges you know and and it teaches you how to overcome things and stay optimistic and you know show gratitude and th- all these things help you know you to maintain on a daily basis so you know mindset is everything for me yeah i i can't echo that enough in fact if you would have asked me just a few years ago regarding the whole mindset and vision boards and and daily affirmations and journaling and all that i would have said that's all a bunch of hooey then now it's like common occurrence i mean i i can't emphasize that enough and once you start doing that you'll you'll be shocked at the changes in your life what is the worst piece of business advice you've ever received oh i'll tell you well i wouldn't say i necessarily received it myself but i see it i see it going on around a lot so when people say, oh, you have to have seven different streams of income, I think people misinterpret that. So, yes, I do I, I do see the value of having multiple streams of income, of course. But you have to start build a foundation first and then move on to the next. You have too many people trying to start off with seven different businesses. And you know, when, they, when they get started and they spread themselves too thin, you know, and then they just mm-hmm. fell. You know, they burn themselves out and fell. You never get anywhere, you know. So start small, guys. You know, take your time. Start a business or a side hustle or whatever, have create that solid foundation, then move on. You know, once that one's in the, in the green and actually generating a positive cash flow. No, that's amen. That that is a that is a big one. I I I see and in fact I had a conversation with somebody on Twitter just recently regarding something similarly. And and we as entrepreneurs and real estate investors, we're always looking for the next best thing. And we're always changing the next shiny object, but it's it's really that that first layer of focus that's required, and and finding that initial niche, and sticking with it until it becomes profitable before you start diving into something else. Otherwise, what what's the old uh, fable? If you uh, chase two rabbits, you'll you'll you you won't eat. You know, yeah. it's it's <laughs> that's that's very very true. So if you could go back into time and give yourself a one piece of advice to your younger self, what would that be? Oh, man, invest, invest, invest. You know, uh, you know, I, well, you know, I would, yeah, I would say invest, invest. Well, you know, one thing's I've, you know, kind of kicked myself in the butt before, you know, just like being oblivious to like stocks and stuff. You know, I didn't realize how far I always assumed you have, you, you had to have a lot of money to get involved and for it to make a difference. I didn't realize how, you know, even the little minor investments will take you a long way. So I missed a lot of opportunities, especially when I got involved with real estate during 2008, 2009. You know, if I would have, you know, put a little bit of money in the stock market and things like that, it would have exponentially grown by now. You know, even though it's on a down decline now, you know, I would have been a lot from those opportunities within the stock market. So it's just, Getting knowledgeable about different, you know, opportunities and um, real knowledge, not just not going off of what everyone else is saying out in the world, because that'll lead you to failure. For sure. Yeah, well, you you talked about and just mentioned the downturn. There, There's another saying about, you know, uh, like the stock market will make a person rich, but a down market will make yeah. make people millionaires. I mean, we, we, every time it, it recovers, we get another round of the most millionaires ever produced. Yeah. You know, it's, it's now that not only, not only the stock market, that's going to happen in real estate as well. You know, um, with raising interest rates, what's going to happen. I, oh, I'm already seeing it in my market. The, 
properties are staying on market a lot longer and prices are starting to drop. So yeah. we're going to, we're going to start seeing that again. Yeah. Well, Rod, this was a great conversation. Before I let you go, I'm going to remind everybody one more time, flipfunding.com and hard.com for more information. And uh, I warned you, is there a question or concept you wished we would have covered here today? Just about my latest recent acquisition as a real estate investor. I'm excited about. Um, oh yeah. What's going on? I just purchased 34 acres of uh, land in North Carolina. And to me, it's my most important piece of real estate that I've ever purchased because it was family land. You know, I was been in my family since 1800s, you know, believe it or not. Oh, awesome. That's yeah. awesome. They were getting ready to sell it, you know, so I had to come through and, you know, I put in a bid, won it. And, you know, so I'm, I'm extremely proud about that. So but my plans for the property is it was all wooded, you know, 38 acres of straight, I mean, 34 acres of wooded land. But I built the road, cleared out some land, put in a one acre pond. Just, just, just leaving it like that for now. I'm still trying to figure out the exact plans, but thinking about putting like a camp slash glamp ground. Um, oh, okay. Making, making a great outdoor experience for, for people. That's that's an exciting project, and it's kind of close to home because, well, I mean, you're buying your fam- family land. I mean, that's that's kind of neat. Uh, we, we live on a property with my kids are the sixth generation here. Wow. So, so we're we're right there with you regarding the the longevity and the history of, of land. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing. you know. That is. So, well, Rod, this was great. Uh, I hope you'll consider coming back sometime. Maybe we'll spend some time like a whole episode just on mindset, if you wouldn't mind doing that. But one last time, flipfunding.com and hardmoneyuniversity.com. But uh, it was great. And we'll see you next time. Likewise. Thank you for the opportunity, JV. Thanks, guys, for checking out the show. Have you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing? If so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.